0: Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you.
1: Good morning. This morning's scripture reading will be Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, and I'm reading out of the NIV version today. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of the goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God for this reason christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant
0: well i want to extend again my happy sabbath uh, to all of you here and like to those of you watching through the internet and today it's a special sabbath because it's the last sabbath of the year could you imagine like the year passed so fast and uh it's usual this time of the year for us to kind of put our life in check like do a retrospective of the year and uh see what we can do better but usually people think oh I am gonna enter in a diet and that's me like uh, cause I'm people don't like it but I'm getting fat Uh, yeah like I you guys didn't notice I fake it very well but like uh, I think two or three sermons ago um, Stace was here as well on the platform and I was trying to close my suit, and the, the suit was so tight on me because I'm 10 pounds above my average, that the bottom like, phew, uh, jumped. it. Nobody noticed, <laughs> but I noticed. That was already too much. So I, my new year's resolution is like to get, not on a diet, but to exercise more, and like to, to try to get back in shape because i never uh was that heavy as i am today so <laughs> but like uh, i think there's more to the new year like than what we can usually do like we usually think on those new year resolutions what we can do better i want to as we close that that year on this last sabbath I want to, you to, to draw your attention to the theme of deliverance of, and to make a reflection on our lives, to see if we can see God acting in our lives and that eventually will move us to do things a little bit different. And uh, I don't know how your life is, like uh, you may be facing problems. Uh, health problems family problems all sorts of different problems and nobody is immune to those problems but if you are honest even with all these turmoil that we may be facing we have no reason to be sad Uh, and why? because if we look on the past year we can see God's hand like a Acting and moving and although we may not have seen him uh, doing something like parting the Red Sea in our lives we may see him uh, working on behind the scenes behind the veil like doing things that perhaps we don't notice but he's he's there the, uh, even the, the, the simple fact of us being here alive and in this church today to hear a message is already a statement of his goodness and faithfulness towards us. Because if you uh, mind what 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, uh, you know that like, a, and I'm going to read here from the New King James, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour like the devil hates your guts he wants to destroy you not only spiritually don't fool yourself he wants to destroy you spiritually yes but he wants to destroy you mentally he wants to destroy you physically if that's all possible and the only reason why you're not dead as of yet is because God is keeping you and is giving you another day of life, another day that you have an opportunity to reconcile with Him and to get closer with Him. And if that's not a, a reason for praising God, I don't know what else it is. And today, as we partake of our communion service, I want to invite you to reflect about our past, our present, and our future as we look. To the Bible for some practical counsel of for us how to live today. I have a lot to tell you like uh, but I have little time shorter than usual today. Uh, So I will not cover everything that I want to tell you but I want just to give you the basics for you to really uh, see uh, what God wants to, to tell you. It's something that's very important. I want to sow the seed of that important message on your heart today. But before we go through the Bible, let's uh, bow our heads in prayer and invite God to come. Dear Father in heaven, we are living in a special day today. It's the last Sabbath of the year. In another few days, the year will be over. And... uh, We will start a new year. We have a a nose before us. But uh, we have no reason to fear because you are with us. Help us, dear Lord, as we open scripture to reflect what's our role today, where you have planted us why we are here and help us to understand how to live on those last days. Bless us now with your Holy Spirit. Empty ourselves of our own preconceived ideas and fill us to the brim with your Holy Spirit. Bless our ears and our hearts to hear your words and comprehend your message. and. Bless me as I partake the message you put on my heart, uh, so I can speak uh, boldly, but also following strictly the words you put on my tongue. Bless me and uh, give me your spirit. That's what I, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The sermon today. It's a sermon that I could preach in like 15 minutes or less. However, I'm probably going to take more than that because I have to give you some context. Uh, otherwise, that 15 minutes will not make any, any sense. Uh, so, uh, the text that we have uh, for our reading tonight, today, was uh, Hebrews 9, 11 to 15. But even this text, in order it to make sense, I have to inform you of what the book of Hebrews is talking. Like uh, in the book, Jesus is exalted. He starts on chapter one by, by pointing Jesus as being the supreme revelation of God. And then he started to make a series of comparisons on the, on the following chapters. He said he established Jesus as greater than the angels. He start, established Jesus as greater than Moses. He established Jesus as the, a better high priest. He established Jesus as, as, as the true meaning of Sabbath rest. And uh, then he started to make a... series of comparisons with uh, the uh, Jesus as our high priest because he established that Jesus is a high priest not uh, not as the as Levite priest but uh, as a different order he calls this the order of Melchizedek because uh, the ministry that Jesus have for us is similar but fundamentally different from the one that was uh, uh, going on in the tabernacle so uh starting here in chapter seven he started to make that argument that jesus is our new priest not on the earthly sanctuary but on the heavenly sanctuary that was made by god and then he starts to explain what he, he is doing there. And he describes that during uh, the Pentecost, Jesus inaugurated that sanctuary. Not that he didn't exist, but he inaugurated himself as the high priest. And then he starts to describe something that remit us to the book of Exodus. Starting on verse, in chapter 25, when... Uh, the temple was ready and it was being inaugurated. And uh, where the high priest went all the way to the Holy of Holies and to anoint everything, to inaugurate it and then to come back. And in this context, uh, we get to the passage of today. um, In uh, Hebrews chapter 9. And I want to read just a few verses before that. I'm going to start reading verse 1. Then, indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For the tabernacle was prepared, the first part, which was the lampstead, the table of the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all or some Bible says the Holy of Holies, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat, and those things we cannot speak in detail. So he basically gives the layout of the sanctuary, and he goes to the process of explaining that uh, the priests they will do it every day uh, on their daily service today the, on the patio to of the on the court of the sanctuary on the holy place. But the most holy place would only will be entered once a year by the high priest. And in, in this context is that we get to the passage of tonight. I mean today. But Christ came as the high priest of the good things to come. I'm reading in verse 11. Which the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with his hands. That is not of this creation not with the blood of goats or calves but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for purifying the flesh How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of that for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. He's saying here, in other words, that uh, because Jesus is now ministering on that heavenly sanctuary, we can now be called righteous. We can now have the certainty that we're going to receive everything God promised throughout scripture. In Hebrew, uh, Pauls argue that Jesus is not only our high priest, but he's the real deal. He's the eternal reality that throughout the ages, the, high, the earthly high priests were just a symbol, just a shadow. This whole sanctuary system was nothing more than a, than a living enactment, a, a, a living uh, educational tool. To teach uh, people about the plan of salvation. Those sacrifices that they did day after day after day. They didn't save anybody. And uh, the Bible says explicitly that even from the Old Testament times. They are always saved by faith through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why a little later in chapter 10 verses 1 to 5. Paul says, for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, meaning they are just symbols, just a pale reflection, not the real thing. They can never with those same sacrifices with the, which they offer continually year after year making those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the the worshippers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remainder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take sins away. Let me stop right here before I... Finish what he's saying is like uh, those sacrifices they could not give, like, clean of a clean conscience, they could not get rid of sin once and for all. That's why they needed to be repeated. Uh, then, verse 5 Therefore, when he, Jesus, came into this th- the world, he said, Sacrifices and offering you did not desire. God didn't want those things. But a body you have prepared for me. The only thing God that could meet the requirements to give us that peace of mind that is assured to us. Is Jesus giving himself. That, uh, and he concludes in verse 10 saying exactly that. Verse 10 of chapter 10. Uh, saying that the only thing that saves and sanctifies us is And I quote, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's the only way for salvation. And that's why in the book of Romans, he says in chapter 3, verses 21 and 23, that uh, commenting about Jesus' incarnation, he says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed, by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus, to all who believe. If you capture what he's trying to say on that point, it's like that throughout the ages, what the Bible witnessed is that we are only saved uh, by faith in Jesus. And then he continues, For there is no difference, for all have seen and all fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because of His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus let me translate this to English now uh, God is saying here Paul is saying here that like through Jesus God manifested his love and because of his love and his forbearance his forgiveness uh He put up with our past sins. Even before the cross. People were forgiven. As a. As an act. Of his mercy. Like. And that act. Got ratified. At the cross. Because before the cross. God had no right to forgive. Because we all sin. And nothing we could do. Could atone us for our sins. So, what Paul is saying, how we got forgiven? God used his credit card. He paid in credit. Uh, so, when Jesus incarnated, that balance was paid in full. Not only for those on the past, but for those on the future as well, for us. So, through him, uh, God was made right. That's why he says now he's just and justifier. Because now he has the legal right. Because he paid our penalty. To declare us righteous. Uh, And that's how on him. Nothing I can do can pay the amount of that bill. Only he could pay it. That's why Paul, continuing chapter 10, he says on verse 19 to 23. Therefore, brethren, having the boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he, Jesus, consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises is faithful paul reminds us here that because jesus is faithful we have nothing to worry we can sprinkle sprinkle our minds From our evil desires, our evil conscience, our intentional wrongdoing can be cleaned by the sprinkle of the blood of the lamb. And uh, here he's making a reference of the sanctuary service that like when you did a willful sin, a rebellious sin, you needed to be sprinkled with that blood. Uh, Jesus had to die for that. But uh, he also says that uh, our sins of ignorance, those sins that are uh, a consequence of our sinful body or, or sinful state, I, I like to call those the banana peel sins, like because you didn't have the will to do something wrong. You're just walking and you Step on that banana peel, is that some, sometimes when you curse and you did, didn't want to, when you lie and you didn't want to, and you, when you notice you already said it, you already did the deed. Uh, and for those, you only needed to be uh, washed, nobody needed to die, you just needed to be washed on, a, on the water from the temple. And that's what he is alluding here with washing of the body. So, in Christ, we have provision both for our intentional sins and for our sins of ignorance. All provided by Him. And that's a big reason to praise Jesus. To praise God for it. Because we can live a worry-free life. We don't need to be worried about our salvation. What's going to happen? Are we going to be saved or not? Because... As long as I give my life to Jesus. And I allow him to clean me daily from both my intentional sins and my unintentional sins. I'm free. Not because I'm good. But because he is good. And uh, But that's not the complete picture. In uh, reading texts like uh, Psalm 133 or Acts 1 and 2, or Revelation 4 and 5, we discover that Jesus didn't stay uh, in one place. He's doing a different type of ministry today. We we see that after his death, he went uh, on Pentecost. He was enthroned as a high priest. When we see this clearly, Perhaps the most clear passage of the whole Bible on that is uh, Revelation 4 and 5. And I stop here to do a little advertising. If uh, you want to know more about this, come to our prayer meetings. We are restarting next Tuesday at uh, 6 uh, 6 p.m. Not a.m., p.m. And we're going to be learning more about those things. So, we... We pray for one another, but we also study the Bible, and we are trying to see throughout the Book of Revelation how we can get wisdom to live on those last days. We see, on Book of Revelation, in a passage that we're going to study in two weeks—not just Tuesday, the next one—that uh, He's enthroned as the or High Priest and as the King of the Universe, and uh, now. He is both the king and the high priest as predicted in Psalm 110. 110. But what about today? What he is doing now? There are several passages on scripture that uh, could answer that question. But uh, I want to give you a short answer using the book of Revelation. Uh, Because the book of Revelation was written shortly after Hebrews, probably 20-30 years afterwards. And uh, uh, in here, Jesus himself, he gives a good description uh, of uh, what he's doing. Uh, He starts on chapter 1 by showing himself on the courtyard of the temple. And uh, the background is the jewish festival of the passover uh, where jesus is introduced as the Lamb that uh, take away the sin of the world and he's he shows ourselves or love for each one of us he's presenting himself as a personal savior a theme that he develops further in chapters two and three Of the book of Revelation as he goes through the churches, walking through the churches. In chapter 4 and 5, using the biblical feast of Pentecost as the backdrop, he is enthroned as our high priest and our king. And we see him as the one that he's holding our history, he's holding our future in his hands. And as he opens the seven seals and in uh, chapter 6 and 8 to 8, verse 1. Now, in chapter 8, verse 2 onward, he is now moved to the altar of incense. He is now shown on the holy place of, this, of the sanctuary. And the background here is the biblical festival of the trumpets, where the final judgment is being announced. And before that, to the seven trumpets, He gives us His judgments in a way to curb the spread of evil so they don't destroy us before before it's time. Before it's the time for the second coming. And right before the second coming, then we go to the final scene of the book of Revelation where Jesus is now not on the holy place. But he is now on the Holy of Holies, on the most holy place. He is depicted in Revelation uh, 15 uh, as being part of the uh, biblical festival of the Day of at- Atonement. And in Revelation 15 verse 5, he is at the Holy of Holies. And we see the, holy pla- the most holy place open. And just a translation note, some Bibles, they say, and I see the tabernacle open, but the word there that's translated tabernacle is the Greek naos, that means the innermost part of the tabernacle, that's the most holy place. So we see the holy place, the most holy place open, and uh, uh, he's there commanding the last few things that happen here on earth, the seven plagues. And once his working of atonement and his working of judgment is done, he pronounced the words that we, we hear on chapter 16, uh, verse 17. It's done at the end of the, the last plague. And uh, from that place, from that moment on, the antitypical day of atonement is over. He is, and then he comes to bring us to be, to be with him for a thousand years on heaven and then throughout eternity on the new earth and new heaven. But what's the significance of that last part of Jesus' ministry? Now on that most holy place. That remits us to a biblical festivity that's called the day of atonement. And you can read several descriptions of what happens on that day. Perhaps the shortest one is uh, in chapter 23 of Leviticus. And I want you to open the Bible now and follow with me. Leviticus 23 verses 26 to 27 is what I'm going to read. But uh, the whole description is Leviticus 23, verses 26 to 32. But I'm going to read just the first two verses. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be the holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord what we are supposed to do that day. In other words, everyone should concentrate themselves on that day. They should examine their conscience to see if there's any wrongdoing, any unforgiven sin, any unconfessed sin, to approach God and confess it. Why? Because uh, once that ritual of that day was over, once the high priest shouted from the Holy of Holies, it's done and gets out, you either would be rejoicing with our sins forgiven or if you didn't uh, confess your sins, if you didn't approach God while we had time, you would be thrown out, cut off from the people. And, uh, the Bible, by the quick review of a Revelation we did, indicates clearly we are living on those last days. We are living on that antitypical day of atonement. It's not a 24-hour day. It's like it started over almost 180 years ago, and we'll finish when Jesus says it's done. So, how should we live in such momentous time, like at the time we we live in today. If you read your Bible, about 90% of the prophecies talking about the Second Coming already happened. And so we are very, very close. And, uh, but how should we do? How we should live? We are on the last day of the year, or rather we are on the last Sabbath. The last day is technically is tomorrow of the year. But funny that that festival, the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur in Hebrew, it's a festival that has been always linked to a New Year festivity. That's the uh, New Year. Is their equivalent of December 31 in the Jewish calendar. It's their, their New Year's uh, feast. and uh, uh, And that's very appropriate because... Since we are not only on the last day of our calendar year, but we are also living on that last day of Earth's history, uh, how should we live? On the next 15 minutes, now I'm getting to the sermon, uh, I want to draw some reflections about the importance of the day we live in. As a result of the day of atonement, all the sins were forgiven and forever forgotten. The destiny of those forgiven will be changed forever because the destiny of all people is death. Bible is very clear because all sin, all deserve death. The only way out is if Jesus changed our fate, and that's done Through that day of atonement. That's the work that he's doing. Right now. And uh, it's not because he does. Need that to do that work. He doesn't. Because he knows. Who is this. He's giving time to each one of us to. uh, Still surrender. Still confess. He's still giving us another day. For us to surrender. To him. Uh, Sometimes I wonder why. Jesus didn't come back. I was wondering this for 27 years till my, uh, hateful father surrender his life to Jesus. If Jesus had converted, if Jesus had came, uh, when I first converted, as I sure hoped, I honestly, I didn't think I would even go through finishing college. And here I am. Here I am and uh but then i clicked that god is giving time of mercy so we we and our loved ones can be brought to the knowledge of him and uh as the book of revelation shows it uh once he says it's done once our life is forever changed we're gonna live with him forever in heaven and uh, if you read adventist literature or books sabbath school lessons you're going to see that a lot of attention is given to that festivity because it's really important in the overall biblical doctrine but uh, unfortunately that festivity is very much connected with the last days and with what Jesus is doing on heaven but it doesn't inform us a lot of how to read of how to live on those last days however do you know that uh, the day of atonement has a twin feast on the bible did you know no uh there is another feast and the secret to find that feast is in reading the verse uh 27 of the book uh, of leviticus again leviticus twenty-three twenty-seven, with detail like it says also on the tenth day of the seventh month it shall be the day of atonement that that's actually not what's written there it's written literally it shall be yom ha kippurim that could be translated in two ways day of atonements plural or a day like pouring, and do you know what pouring is? no, so let's go real quick to uh the book of esther chapter nine, and let's read chapter nine verses twenty six to twenty eight so They call those days pouring after the name poor. Therefore, because all the words of this letter that they had seen concern this matter and what happened to them, the Jews established and imposed it upon themselves and their descendants. And how who will join them? That without fail they should celebrate those two days every year according to the written instructions and according to the prescribed time, that those days should be remembered and kept through every generation, every family, every province, every city, that those days of pouring should not fail to be observed among the Jews and that the memory of them should not perish among their descendants. That was a holiday that was established to commemorate the the great things that God had done throughout Easter, saving them from annihilation. I don't have the time to to go over all the details of the holidays. I'm gonna just like make a few uh, highlights that I need to kind of uh, get where I want. Like, but this book parallels the last day events very closely. We are persecuted because of what we believe in because we, we, we are. We are belittled, we are uh, uh, misrepresented, and as a result, a day of execution is set. And any, uh, uh, any resemblance of Revelation 13 is mere coincidence. Uh, then, uh, interesting enough, god is silent the bad people seems to to get their way and god does not not does not show up and from there comes our uh our first lesson because god may not be there but even when god is silent on your life even when you're going through problems on those last days he's right there with you and uh he will transform uh, whatever you're going through in blessing on the right time. In the book of Isaiah, there is one of my favorite blessings that is very uh, keen to me on this. It says, Isaiah 50, uh, 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall over, not overflow you. When you walk through the fire... You shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. God never promised you. To have a problem free life. What he promised you. Is when the problems arrive. He will be there with you. Yeah. When it happens. He will gonna go through you. Through that painful situation. He will be there with you. And another lesson. That I want to draw in closing. Comes from. Esther 2, verse 10. Uh, here, we learn that Esther uh, was uh, instructed by Mordecai not to tell who she was. Not to tell, not to reveal her identity as a, as a Jew. And uh, uh, first time I read that, I was thinking, oh, that's like... A, a, deceitful thank you i was looking for the word uh that's deceitful like uh, but if you look real close there is no deception here the point of the story is that uh, god wants us to be wise like we don't need to tell everything all the time we don't need to uh overwhelm people with the details that are not important like uh, even Jesus himself, he modeled this throughout his ministry. And if you follow on the book of Mark, like uh, he, to, two thirds of the book, he was doing all those miracles that would clearly identify him as the Messiah. And he said, Don't tell anyone. And he kept his messiahship as a secret until the very end, until the moment was right. And sometimes we bring problems to us by. Lacking that same wisdom. So, on those last days, we need to ask God for daily, for wisdom to live our lives. Wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. What to do and uh, what not to do. And uh, the very last thing I want to say comes from the very famous verse of Esther chapter 4, verse... 13. And Mordecai told them to to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And uh, what I learned from here that's meaningful for us on the last days. God will bring his plans to fruition with or without you. He does not need you. He does not need me. The real question here is, are you in or are you out? I want to be in. I want to work with him to help him to achieve his plans. And why that's important? Ezekiel 33, verse 6 says, If the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will require require the watchman's hand. We know that Jesus is coming soon. We know what's going on right now on the world. God gave us that inside and we have to be partners on his uh on his uh work. We have to blow, blow that trumpet He doesn't need us to blow it, but he wants us to participate on that job. why? because by being his co-workers we can grow it's for our own benefit our own personal growth and uh, you may think i'm who am i who was esther she was a nobody she was a poor orphan immigrant that had to hide her identity to not be killed and god set her up in a position where she called help and uh, what i want to tell you is that god today Put you here in Midland, on this church, in where, to, in where you work, in where you live. Because you have a role to play to those around you. You have to blow that trumpet. God wants to come, but he wants you on his team. As the year comes to a close, let's reflect on our spiritual journey. And uh, have we been courageous on our faith? Have we sought the Lord in fast and praying, asking for his wisdom on how to live? Uh, have we cooperated with God, sharing what we believe by, our, by what you say and by what we, how we live? Today, as we will have communion service, it's time for us to renew our commitments. And as you partake of the communion service today, I want you to Renew your commitments with God and surrender to Him, to live with Him. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 26, he reminds us that uh, we should participate, all should participate in the communion service as a reminder of our commitments to God and as a reminder that that He's soon coming. And each time we participate, we remember of His sacrifice and His soon coming. So let's all participate. I want to close with a prayer, and afterwards we, we split, we go to the foot washing and then come back to the final portion of the service. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for our privilege that we have to be living on the last days of earth's history, on the antitypical day of uh, atonement. Help us to uh, live on this day Always in awe of your presence. Help us to surrender ourselves every day. Washing our minds uh, with the blood of the Lamb for our willful sins. And also uh, washing our bodies as a representation of uh, uh, the forgiveness that we have. Even for the sins that we didn't mean to do it. Help us to be always... In com- communion with you. Because the only way for us to stand. On those coming days. Is by seeking your wisdom. By giving our lives to you. And by partnering with you. You want us to grow. As we share our life with others. Help us to grow. Under your guidance. But we feel that we are no bodies, uh, Dear Lord. We came from nowhere. We don't know enough. But help us to realize that you provided everything we need. You provided Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, you can be guided, we can be guided by you to do your bidding wherever you placed us. Bless us now as we renew our commitment for that new year to the communion service. To vow to serve you and to be partners with you in spreading the good news and to live a life that points people to Jesus. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.